say. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I am good. I'm well. I'm sorry. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I just came back from the chiropractor because mm-hmm. um, they're trying to fix this hellacious migraine of mine. Sure. Um, and I don't know I, if it worked or not, but it was weird. I don't know. He what? kept calling me kiddo. And I'm like, excuse oh, you. No. I'm officially oh, ancient. No. I turned 27. So, so okay, well, let's not call 27 ancient, but yeah, don't. I mean, don't all do of that. my bones are falling apart suddenly. Well, probably because your brain is rotting. Dude, right. And I don't has know. been for four months now. So dude. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not the best. But, no, no, it's not the best. Um, I was really going to try and do like a really on brand lady this week. And I was trying to find like some cool female migraine researcher. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yes. It's not a thing. I mean, I'm sure it is a thing, but just not as easy to, to find. Yeah. It was just giving me a bunch of stuff of like, here are people who work at the migraine research foundation. I'm like, no, that's not what no. I, okay. That's fine. I'm sure that they're doing great work. Well, hey, maybe in like 20 years, somebody else will have the next version. Well, it's probably like the next, next, next version of what podcasts are right now. And yeah. they'll do a story about you. Oh, man. This one time, this chick had a migraine for months and months and just had to figure it out. Good but story. Yeah. I oh, like see, it. I did a podcast about myself. You so. did. Good news. It's very selfish of you, Taylor. I can't I believe you just did that. Do you want to get hyped about women? I really do. Great. Because I'm really excited about my lady this week. I am too. I am too. I've been uh, telling Evan. Well, because so I had picked somebody else out at first. And I'll still probably do her at some point. Oh, um, sure. But then I found this lady kind of on accident. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, bud. So I've fuck been yeah, like bud. really hyping this lady up to Evan. Yeah. Like a I week can... now. So. Um, I was finishing up my like condensed timeline today at work mm-hmm. and one of my coworkers was like, oh, 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 Reagan, are you doing homework? And I was like, actually I do this podcast. And I just kind of like unloaded on him and he was like, oh, oh, good, good luck. I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, I don't have wine, but I do have tequila. <laughs> oh my God. Nice. I don't have wine either, but I do have a PBR because I'm in Alaska. Yeah, you are. So, How does, uh, how's those uh, fires doing, by the way? Yeah, it's been real awesome. Um, Dude, guarant- Alaska and Brazil. I can't deal. Guaranteed that's the thing that's made my migraine like ramp up to 11 the last of course. Days. Yeah, it's been a mess. It's been a mess. That sucks, dude. I hope your uh, peeper helps. Yeah. I mean, probably not, but we're going to go see Midsummer tonight at Beartooth, so pretty stoked about that. What version of Midsummer? Uh, no, sorry. I bet you're thinking Shakespeare Midsummer. I am. Oh, you're yeah. thinking horror movie Midsummer. Spooky movie Midsummer. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Or as my okay. boss calls it, Midsummer. <laughs> oh, so, boy. Yeah. That's okay. I was in a spooky mood also and just finished uh, Bent Neck Lady of mm. Hill House. Mm. Wowzers. Good stuff. Best Good episode. Stuff. Creepiest. Oh, God. I'm, I have done myself a spook, let's say. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to steal that and say it all of the time. Sure. Please do. And also, hopefully our sound is a little better this time. Sure. And also, also, I would like to recommend that we have 1,000 more little tiny little teeny gulps in our recording. Okay, all right. Because it was so <laughs> cute going through and editing and just being like, there's another one of little Reagan's little gulps. All right, so maybe I'm a loud drinker, okay? It's very cute. Um, I was not thinking about etiquette. I was thinking about ladies. Should we talk about what our podcast is? Oh, that could, Sure. In case people are just now rolling in. (laughs) Welcome in, everyone that rolled in. We made a podcast about cool ladies that you may or may not have heard of um, because we were getting bummed out by all the news. So now every week we call each other and hype ourselves up about ladies. I'm Taylor. I'm Reagan. And uh, welcome to Babetown, you guys. Welcome to Babetown. When was your gal born?
My lady was born in 1939. When was your lady born? Oh, damn. That means I'm going first. My lady was born in 1892. Heck yes. All right. I'm going to sit back. Hang on. Let me get get comfy. All right. Eyes are closed. You ready? Where am I? Okay. Picture it. Atlanta. Texas. What? (laughs) Yep. It's Atlanta, Texas. (laughs) What a twist. A little confusing. See what I did there? Plot twist right at the start. Wow. Okay. Have you heard of? Elizabeth Bessie Coleman. I have not. Good. I was really hoping you would say no, because she's like kind of a big deal, but I've never heard of her either. So wait, um, here we go. I'm, okay. It's a little bit familiar, but I don't think I know who it is. Okay. I'm sorry. Carry on. Okay. Great. Okay. So Bessie <gasps> Coleman. Do you know is who there this a drug is? history about her? Oh, I don't know. Quite I think possible, there's a drug history it's about her. And it's incredible. It. Damn it. No, 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 no. I know like. Okay. I literally know the drunk version. So, okay. please. Okay. Well, please you're going to get the PBR version now. I love so. it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, Bessie Coleman, born in Atlanta, Texas, 1892. She had 12 brothers no, and thank sisters. You. 12. Yeah, I wrote in parentheses. It's too many. <laughs> Far too many. So, um, her mom was an African American maid, her dad was a Native American sharecropper. So, oh. Do you know what a sharecropper is? Uh, someone who farms with other farmers on the same farm? Yeah, more or less. I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. Um, it's, it's somebody who basically lives on the land and then pays their rent via crops. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so when Bessie was two, the family moved to Waxahachie, nope. Texas, which is my favorite <laughs> name that's ever existed. <laughs> So in 1901, so she was nine, um, her dad decided to move to Oklahoma to try and escape the discrimination that the whole family was facing. And I couldn't find any word on whether or not he was successful, but it's early 1900s Oklahoma, so I kind of doubt it. Mom and the kids stayed behind in Texas, so suddenly mom is like single-handedly raising 13 kids, right? So Bessie worked with her mom picking cotton, washing laundry. Um, She was super good at math, though, so she was able to save up enough money doing these chores and work that she was able to attend the Colored Agricultural and Normal University, which is now named Langston University in Langston, Oklahoma. So she makes it. um, She drops out after a semester because she couldn't afford it, though, so um, she wasn't there for very long. But in 1915, when she was 23, she moves to Chicago to live with her brothers. So... There, she attends the Burnham School of Beauty Culture and starts working in a, as a manicurist in a barbershop. Meanwhile, because they're dudes and it's 1915, her brothers are off fighting in World War I in France. Oof. Right? So Oof. then they're coming, they're coming back and being like, listen, you know who are badass ladies? French ladies, because they can fucking fly a plane. And she's like, okay, yeah, I get it. And they're like, no, no. French ladies are way better than American ladies because they can fly a plane. And she's like, yeah, guys, I get it. And they're like, do you? Because they're really cool. Like, they just will not let up about how cool French ladies are. And they're, like, teasing her endlessly that she's a manicurist. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go fucking be a pilot. So she goes and um, starts looking at whether or not she can be a pilot in the U.S. And because it's the U.S. in the early 1900s, women... Black people and Native Americans couldn't be pilots, and she was all three. So she's like, all right, cool. So she goes to night school and learns French so she can fill out applications to move to France and become a pilot. So she gets sponsored. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No. Side note. Please do. Please do. If that's not the most brotherly thing in the world. Oh, my God, right? It's like, hey... You're doing great. You know how you'll never be enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I laughed so hard that she was just like, all right, fuck you guys. I'm going to go be a pilot. <laughs> have you have you seen the movie American Outlaws? No. Ah! <sighs> all right. Colin Farrell <laughs> plays Jesse James. It's very I unrealistic. I do love Colin Farrell, though. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. Gabriel Mott plays his brother. It's fantastic. But anyway, when I was growing up, my brothers were like, you know, who's the best human being? Allie Larder. And I was like, 
I will be Wait. Allie Larder. Isn't Allie Larder the one from Heroes? Yes. Blonde, oh. badass, big old eyes. Yeah. That's the one. Allie had, Larder was your, your childhood hero. I had a complex for a while. Because I was like, this is what human beings want. Is they want that. humans to be like Allie Larder. And then I just realized that my brothers were high school douches. Yes. And had a crush on a blonde girl. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Anyway, big old sidetrack. So she goes off and, <laughs> and moves to France, right? To be a pilot. <laughs> so she completes all of her uh, flight school applications in French because she learns it at night because she doesn't have any other options. So she gets sponsored to go move to France and learn flying, <laughs> learn yes. piloty. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1920, okay, so here's bad news coming at you, is that there are going to be some French-ass names, and I'm just going to roll with all the pronunciations. Yeah? Please do. I took you, three years of French. Yeah, you studied years it. Ago. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, it's I'll fine. be fine. Okay, so in 1920, she's accepted into the Cadrone Brothers School of Aviation in Le Cretois, France. You are French. Oh my God, right? So in 1921, she becomes the first Native American slash African American lady to receive an aviation license. And Hell she yeah. receives the first aviation license from uh, the Federation Aeronautique Internationale as a Native American, African American lady first one that they've ever given out right so she's like breaking barriers all over the killing place. it all over the world right she famously said that the air is the only place free from prejudice oh my god that's a quote dude right it's pretty clear that her dad leaving in order to try and escape discrimination like forms who she is as a person because after doing this she returns home to chicago in 1921 but then realizes that um a, commercial aviation is not really a thing yet in 1921, and B, even if it were because she is a black lady, she would not be eligible to be a pilot. So her only option to earn a living as a pilot is to become a barnstormer. Do you know what a barnstormer is? Excuse me? <laughs> I, I do, but for your sake, I'll pretend that I Sure. Don't. Thanks. I appreciate it. Basically, a circus for stunt planes. So it's like all of these pilots would be doing like these crazy, like what we now is just like casual air shows, except that like in old timey planes and they would travel around from city to city like a circus, but just doing crazy air shows that were like super dangerous. I was so, about to. OK, so my main thing was I was like, is that safe? No, absolutely. I not. feel like that's not safe. No, not safe at all. Also, like, a huge boys club. Like, women at the time were really only in these shows as um, wing walkers, which I... No! I know. I know. It oh. stresses me out so much. That idea stresses me out so much. But they, like, weren't really this. pilots in these shows. So she rolls in, and she's like, mm -mm, I'm going to be an awesome pilot. So she... Um, ends up returning back to France because she realized that to be at the top of her game, she needed more training. So she goes back to France to get advanced aviation training. Um, oh then she heads God. over to the Netherlands to learn from Anthony Fokker, who is Obviously. a distinguished... He's a distinguished aircraft designer, Reagan. Haven't you heard of him many times? I, obviously I have. Why do you think I have that Fokker tattoo? <laughs> right on the face, right? On my face. I've tried to point it out to you every time we've hung out. I'm like, Taylor, please pay attention. And you've been like, yes, yes. I promise I'll be more <laughs> So she goes and takes advanced classes from Anthony Fokker. Um, she ends up taking additional classes from his, like, corporation's pilots. Because they're all super experienced pilots. And so she's, like, taking night classes from them. Like, learning. Well, sure. Because... Crazy, crazy. Like, she was famous for doing, like, loop-de-loops and figure eights and all sorts of stuff like who needs learn. sleep when you could you know <laughs> risk your life all the time all, all always the time. so she comes <laughs> back um and her first american air show exhibition was in 1922 uh -huh. she performed the first public flight by an african-american woman in this what? air show 
Yeah, right? 1922. Can you imagine? Like, first? The first one. So cool. Um, her nickname was Queen Bess, and she became a media sensation. Um, she was famous for performing these, like, crazy loop-de-loops, and she would, like, fly upside down for a long period of time. Like, she did crazy shit all the time. Wait, 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 wait. Can I, real quick. Yes. 22. Yes. Did your cat just scream at me? (sighs) Yeah, he's climbing on the counter and being the worst. (laughs) So I'm trying to get him. Can he tell that the person that he hates is on the other side of the phone? I, maybe. Um, Okay, wait, 22. So, seatbelts, are they a thing? Um, Yes. And stand by on that question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll talk about that. Carry on with your upside down nonsense. She was often criticized for being way too over the top. (laughs) And really um, so career driven that people were calling her opportunistic. Like she would just go wherever she possibly could. Um, But she gained a reputation for, I put it in all, all caps, always being extremely down for new difficult stunts. Like... She would see a stunt and be like, nobody's supposed to do that. I'll go do that. And so that's how she, like, Hell gained yes. fame is just being so prepared all the time to risk everything. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. My cat is an actual devil. He's also 20,000 pounds. <laughs> Guaranteed. And he's climbing on my counter. And <laughs> I'm so sorry for anybody listening to this shit show. Can we, okay. can we just real fast heavily While, edit this episode <laughs> no not at all please leave greg's meow in there please i swear where was i okay so she's gained this amazing reputation for like always being like super down to get after it on these new stunts so her first plane crash was in 1923 when her engine stalled yeah sorry her first her first one what her first one was in 1923 her engine stalls she broke a leg and three ribs, but nope. it only put her out of commission for a year, and then she gets back at it. So she gets this <sighs> crazy reputation for being just, like, super tenacious and will not quit. So while she loved being a performer and uh, was groundbreaking in so many ways in that front... Her overall goal of what she wanted to do was open a flight school so that black women would have easy access to the opportunities that she had to fight tooth and nail for. So, quote, I decided blacks should not have to experience the difficulties I had faced, so I decided to open a flying school and teach other black women to fly. So she funded her air show by giving speeches on this, offering flight lessons at night, and doing her best to encourage women and African Americans to learn to fly. She ended up making a huge statement with her air shows because she would refuse outright to perform at any venues that were segregated or discriminatory in any way. Hell yes. So even though it would have been like huge um, stadiums of people for her career, she was like, absolutely not. Like, no, that's the whole reason that I'm doing any of this is because I had to go to France because of all of the discrimination so no, no way. We're not doing that. Right. God, so I love her. yeah, she was using her fame as her pulpit and it was so cool. So she ended up being offered a role in the movie Shadow and Sh- Sunshine. Um, but then she found out that her role was going to be an amalgamation of a bunch of racist stereotypes and mm. she quit. Yes, girl. Even though it would have been this huge thing for her, she was like, absolutely not. So in a book written by Doris Rich called Queen Bess Daredevil Aviator. She wrote, quote, clearly Bessie's walking off the movie set was a statement of principle. Opportunist though she was about her career, she was never an opportunist about race. She was like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just perpetuate the st- these stereotypes that are racist as shit. That, God, I love her. Yeah, dude, she was the best. So um, in 1926, she bought her own plane. Her mechanic was a 24-year-old named William Willis. He flew it to Jacksonville, Florida from Dallas, and along the way had a bunch of problems in this plane. Like, she had bought it, and it was so run down, and so he, like, finally gets it to Jacksonville, and he's like, listen, I don't know about this plane. And, like, her whole friends and family were all like, 
I don't know about this plane. And she's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. So they fix it up. I'm sorry, real fast. Yeah. Can you imagine being someone named Willie Willie in the 1920s? Yeah, it's no good. With a plane, a, a plane. Yes. And you're like, you know what? I'm Willie Willie and I'm going to fly this from Texas to Florida. Just problems the whole time. And you're like, it's fine. No, he fine. wasn't like, fine. Bestie Coleman was like, it's fine. Oh, casual. So your boss they... is like, it's fine. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. So... I'm on board. So he gets it to Jacksonville and he's like, listen, I don't know about this. And she's like, no, we'll just fix it up. It'll be fine. So they fix it up. <laughs> um, they fix it up. They're performing a test run of the plane. The next day they were, they had a, a show scheduled and she was going to do this parachute jump out of the plane. Um, so she wanted to check out the terrain. So they went for a test flight. They're flying around it. She was not wearing a seatbelt because she wanted to be able to lean out the side of the plane to check it out because this was back before planes had any sort of cockpit. So they were just open air planes. What? Um, And as they were flying, a loose wrench that had somehow been left on the plane got stuck in the engine at 3,000 feet up, caused the plane to stall, dive, flip over. No. Wearing a seatbelt. And there's no hood, so she fell out of the plane and died immediately. No! Bad news. Yeah, bad, bad news. Willie Willie, a.k.a. William Willis. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not mean to ruin this story <laughs> by ruining You did not ruin it at all. You enriched it so much. <laughs> um, he also tragically died. So No! Ultimately, she was 34 when she died, so had just gotten started making a huge difference in the world. But while she didn't live long enough to establish a flight school like she wanted, she did live long enough to inspire a whole generation of black pilots, men and women alike. Lieutenant William J. Powell, who was another pioneer in both aviation and civil rights, wrote in 1934, quote, because of Bessie Coleman, we have overcome that which was worse than racial barriers. We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. Isn't that good? So that's real good. He then went on to establish the Bessie Coleman Aero Club in 1929. So only four years after she died, three years after she died, um, he, like, establishes a whole club based on uplifting pilots in her name. So Dude. while she didn't get to do it, it ultimately happened. So the Challengers Pilots Association of Chicago in 1931 started flying over her grave every year to honor her, and it still happens. Isn't that great? Um, in 1977, black women pilots had founded the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club which is exactly what she wanted to have happen. In, in uh, 2001, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. In 2006, she was into the National Aviation Hall of Fame. And in 2014, she was inducted into the International Air and Space Hall of Fame. So uh, she's like a big deal now. And she's it's the biggest tragic deal. that she didn't live long enough to see herself become that because she inspired like an entire generation and profession of people and it's just the coolest like oh man I was gonna do somebody else and then I kind of stumbled upon her and I was like a how have I never heard of this person and b everyone needs to hear about everyone needs to hear about Bessie Coleman so my all-time favorite quote just to end it out she said quote if I can create the minimum of my minimum of my plans and desires there shall be no regrets which like what a beautiful way to live your life seriously What a a selfless way to live your life, dude. Mm. Yeah, man. Like, her whole thing was that she just wanted to, like, make it easier for people to do what she did. Wow. Yeah, right? So cool. What a a babe. Also, if anyone can hear that my air conditioner just kicked on, don't panic. That's what that hum in the background is. There was a really cute little door squeaky noise. Yeah. But I can't hear your air conditioner, so... All right. Well, it, it like kicked on all at once and I can't control it. So this will be the episode of ambient sounds. Yes. There's a reason that I recorded the first one in our spare room away from my cat. Uh, can you oh. do me a solid and sorcerer shit? Oh yeah. That's funny. Cause it was actually at the end of my thing and I just like folded up my papers and just moved past it. Okay. You were like, and I'm done. And I'm done. Um, so I don't have a lot of 
sources, unfortunately, which sounds terrible, but no, there was a really great in-depth deep dive article on womenshistory.org that I got most of this from. Wikipedia, shout out. I also got a lot from Britannica.com, as per usual. A little smattering from Encyclopedia.com, but not a lot. Um, and then there's a really fun, good website that is BessieColeman.org. <laughs> that is just hell yes, dedicated to Bessie Coleman, and it's good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that's my source shit right there. I love it. I was already excited to tell you about my person. Yeah. But having heard your story, I am extra excited to tell you about my person. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Oh, now I get to just sit back and relax. You do. You can, you can chill. Please relax. So, have you ever heard of Claudette Colvin? Oh, my God. Yes. Hell yes. Yes. Oh, Hell I'm so excited because I fucking was really yes. close to doing her too. Oh, I'm yes. so glad you didn't because I have been like, I almost did her as week one, but then I got crazy pumped about Dr. Barry. So anyway, okay. All right. All right. Great. So I'm going to oh, tell I'm you so about excited. Claudette Colvin. And I, I truly like was a, got to the point where I was researching so much. I literally was sitting up in bed like frantically writing with a pencil hunched over like a like a hunchback I have terrible like a gargoyle analogies yes gargoyle is great gargoyle is great great and I truly had to sit up and be like I have to stop because I was I was so so okay so the coolest thing currently Claudette Colvin was born 10 years after Bessie Coleman died oh my god oh my god uh huh. Mm-hmm. So Claudette was born September fifth, nineteen thirty-nine. Okay. Which is right? She died nineteen twenty-nine. She died nineteen twenty-six. Okay. Well, thirteen. It, it doesn't matter. She really was, close. Really close. Very close. Within well, the next generation. What a podcast. This is. <laughs> if so... anything, everyone. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I even thought to myself, I was like, oh man, 10 years, so cool. (laughs) This is not a math podcast. Anyway, all right. So Claudette's birth parents were Mary Jane Gadsden and C.P. Austin. She was born in Birmingham, Alabama. But then she was adopted by her great aunt and great uncle, Marianne and C.P. Colvin, or Q.P., I'm so sorry. Marianne and Q.P. Colvin. Okay. Which from here on out, whenever I talk about her parents, they are her adopted parents. The end. Got it? Okay. Great, great. So her first racial encounter was when she was four years old. Ew, she was dude. Sh- it, disgusting. She was shopping with her mom, and two white boys came up to her in the store and, like, touched their hands to hers to compare the color. Her mom then slapped her and told her never to touch white boys. Oh. Oh, four God, years. that's so heartbreaking for so many four. reasons. Four years old. It's, it, it gets so much worse. Okay. <laughs> so when she's eight years old, they moved to Montgomery, Alabama, where she went to Booker T. Washington High School, which was segregated because everything was segregated. Yes. The buses were segregated. Life was segregated. The stores were segregated. She tells a story about how she needed new shoes for Easter, but she couldn't go into the store. So her mother traced her foot and then took the, like, outline of her foot into the store to compare it to shoes to buy her new shoes. What? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. So when she was in high school, okay... When she was in high school, violence, trigger warning, I would skip 30 seconds to 40 seconds. One of her friends had sex with a white girl. The white girl said he raped her. He said it was consensual. But here's the thing. No one cared whether or not it was consensual. The issue was that he was black and she was white. Yeah. So this high school boy was put on death row and killed 
What the fuck? Are you kidding me? I'm dead serious. Jeez. There's another one. Again, in high school, another one of her friends. This one flirted with a white girl. If you have a trigger warning, skip another 15 seconds. The next day, the next day, he was, his body was fished out of the nearby Tallahatchie River. Wow. Because a high school boy flirted with a white girl. Wow. It's, it's rough. It's rough. Back to Claudette. She's a straight-A student. Her dream is to be either a lawyer or president. Because hell mm. yes. Mm. Yeah. I have a bunch of quotes from her that I'm going to scatter throughout here. But the first one is, I would go to school with my hair in braids. I didn't understand why others wanted to struggle to make their hair straight. That hot comb was torture. Which, mm. yes. Yeah, of course. It was like, why? 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 Yeah. 1950s straightener? No, thank you. I'm going to wear my hair in braids. So, February 1955. This is the 50s, and you're saying... The 50s. The like, 50s, yes. That is not long ago at all. No. No, it's really oh. not. February 1955. It's Black History Month. So, her teachers, they're in a se- segregated community. Her teachers go in-depth for Black History Month, which... God bless. They learned the hymnals. They learned all of the stories. They learned about specifically freed slaves. And her heroes were Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. Honestly, should be everybody's heroes. Thank you. (laughs) Should be every person in the entire world's heroes. Yes. So all of this is like fresh in her mind. Which... Later in her life, we'll get there, but she testified in court, talking to a white person was worse than stealing. Mm. This is the, this is the community that we're in. God. So March 2nd, 1955, Claudette got out of of school early with three of her friends and they take the Capitol Heights bus headed downtown. Which, spoiler alert, is the same exact bus that Rosa Parks refused to get up on. Wow. They were sitting in the back half behind the white section. So everything's segregated. So the buses, white people had to sit in the front or were allowed to sit, whatever they want to call it. Mm -hmm. White people sat in the front, black people sat in the back. But the drivers could assign the seats. And if... So there's two seats on either side and the aisle down the middle. You know what I mean? Yes. But if, let's say, a white person is sitting next to the right-hand window, there's an open seat next to them, the aisle, open seat next to them, and a black person. So two seats and an aisle in between people. Correct. That black person would have to get up because they're sharing the same row. So, yes. It's trash, horrible. horrible, horrible, fiery, awful trash. Yes. So, God. Claudette and her three friends. So, the three women, or the three friends, I'm sorry, they're sitting on their half of the bus. And a white woman got on. And the driver, whose name is Robert W. Clear, because I feel like it's important to say the names of everyone, because everyone mm-hmm. should be held account, because the white woman was standing. Robert told them to move. The three friends reluctantly got up. So at this point, there is white woman sitting next to the window, seat, aisle, seat, Claudette sitting next to the other window. And Claudette stayed. Mm. And she said she paid her fare and it was her constitutional right. If it was an elderly person, she would have gotten up, but it was a young white woman that, like, why should she get to sit more than Claudette? Claudette's friend, Annie Larkins Price, was on the bus and she testified for Claudette later on, but she said she didn't say anything. She just continued to look out the window. She decided on that day, she wasn't going to move, Mm. which God bless. Mm -hmm. Claudette later said, my mind was full of black history. You know, the oppression we went through, I felt like Sojourner Truth was pushing down on one soldier and Harriet Tubman was pushing down on the other saying, sit down girl. 
history made me glued my seat. Oh my god. I know. I know. Oh my I know. god. Oh my I know. God. So the bus driver, oh. Robert W. Clear, let's be And clear. she's 15. Like, you know what the worst thing I had to deal with when I was 15? I don't even know. I remember I had, like, an existential crisis because I went to school in sweats one time. <laughs> like, I'm that's sorry. the extent of what I had to no, deal I know. with when I was 15. I know. I thought about this so much when I was, <laughs> so like, researching this. So, I mean, not that anybody should have to deal with anything anywhere near that, but, like, a 15-year-old. A 15-year-old. A so, child. So brave. Wow. Who literally told a bus driver, this is my constitutional right. Mm, but why? Badass. So they keep going till he can find, like, a traffic cop. While he's talking to this person, a pregnant black woman sat down next to Claudette. And her name was Ruth Hamilton, who also said... I'm tired and sat next, sat down next to her. The bus driver keeps threatening them. They go a couple more stops and they find the police who board the bus. And the two police officers were named Thomas J. Ward and Paul Headley. So they felt bad for Ruth Hamilton and they made two men stand up so that they could seat Ruth in that aisle because of her condition. She's already seated though, yeah? Yes, but she's I, seated next to Claudette. God. And the white woman needs an entire row to herself. So stupid. It's incredibly stupid. They start yelling at 15-year-old child Claudette to get up. And she's stone cold this mm-hmm. entire time. Wow. They knock her books off of her lap. They manhandle her off the bus. And they kick her multiple times. They, start, they put her in the cop car. They cuff her. They call her multiple names, including, quote, a thing. Oh, a my lot God. of racial, ra- yes, racial slurs that I'm not going to go into. Then on the drive to the police station, they took turns guessing her bra size, cracked jokes about her body parts. And then once they got there, more cops joined in guessing and joking about her. She thought they were going to rape her, so she started covering her crotch. Oh, God. A 15-year-old. So they didn't, they didn't take her to juvie. They took her to adult jail. They threw her into a cell by herself. They did not give her a phone call. The cell had a broken sink and a cot with zero mattress. She said, quote, I can still vividly hear the click of those keys. It was like a Western movie. Sorry, just as a uh, little aside that has nothing to do with this horrible story you're telling me. Uh I really like your squeaky door. (laughs) The the what? I have ghosts. There are so (laughs) many. It's ambient sounds. Sorry, continue. No, yeah, you're fine. So she was charged with three things violating segregation laws, disorderly conduct, and my personal favorite, assault and battery because one of the officers apparently got scratched in the, quote, scuffle. You know, when they were dragging her off the bus and kicking her? Wow. Apparently one of them got scratched. So assault and battery. So she can't make a call. She can't do anything. She's in this cell by herself. She doesn't know what to do. Thankfully, her friends who were on the bus called her mother and her minister. So three hours later, they show up to bail her out. And her mom said the thing that I think she's just the mom of all moms at this point. And she said, quote, well, Claudette, you finally did it. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Woof. (laughs) So she goes Her mom sounds super cool. Just the best. And loving. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes home and her family is terrified. Her community is terrified. And so members of her community help keep watch. And her dad stayed up all night with a loaded shotgun because they were all afraid the KKK was going to show up. Oh, my God. Thankfully, they never did. So she goes to trial for these three charges were her friend, Annie Larkins-Price, who was on the bus, another frickin' 15-year-old, testified on her behalf. 
she pled not guilty to all the charges, which is where she stands out from other people. So a lot of people before her had refused to stand up, but none of them fought the um, violating segregation laws charge. Mm. They all pled guilty. Claudette was the first one to plead not guilty to everything. She said she didn't violate anything because the law was unconstitutional. Mm. So a lot of her community members, including Rosa Parks, raised money for her defense. And I'm pretty sure I couldn't find anything definite on this, but I'm pretty sure that good old Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his first public civil rights speech was in defense of Claudette Colvin. Wow. So she's found guilty, she's convicted, she's given probation, and that's where the real fight begins. She was a member of the NAACP, the National Association for the Amazement of Colored People Youth Council. And she wants to fight, which her mom and dad do not want her to do because it's incredibly dangerous. And the NAACP had rejected multiple protesters previously thinking that they couldn't withstand cross-examination. The NAACP chose Rosa Parks as their champion for the movement. Rosa was older. She was more experienced. She had lighter skin. Her hair and her dress were more middle class. She was calm. And they thought she would garner more sympathy with white people. Her Mm -hmm. stand, by the way, her sit, I guess I should say, Mm-hmm. was nine months later. It was December 1st of 1955. Wow. So this is nine months before Rosa Parks sits on the bus. So Claudette had darker skin. She was 15. She was lower class. They brought up the fact that her mom was a maid and her dad mowed lawns. And then later that summer, she got news that she was pregnant because she was raped by an older white married man. What? And in, in her words, nowadays you would call it statutory rape, but that's just how it was. Oh, God. She's, to this day, she's never given up his name. Wow. So they called her mouthy, Sorry, emotional. Hang on. What do you mean? Hang on. Hang on. Wait. What do you mean to this day? Is she still alive? She's still alive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But she's still fucking alive because she's a champion. Wow. Wow. So they called her mouthy, emotional, feisty, because misogyny is strong and alive. Right. That's a fun intersection of misogynistic and super racist. Isn't it great? It's a really nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Wow, dude. They said that she was prone to emotional outbursts and cursing, which, like, she's a teenager. Right. In a horrifying situation. So, like, seems normal. Also, in in her own words, she said that they thought she was too militant, but she never swore. Oh, I'm sorry. I never swore when I was younger. Never. Wow. In her words. Um, It should be stated that between Claudette and Rosa, there was a woman named Mary Louise Smith that was also arrested, but she was deemed unfit to face the, or to be the face of the movement, partly due to rumors that her father was an alcoholic. Mrs. Colvin, Claudette's mom, said, let Rosa be the one. White people aren't going to bother Rosa. Her skin is lighter than yours, and they like her. Meanwhile, she's in high school. And a lot of the parents of her friends are saying that she's crazy. So half of her friends are super for her and half of her friends freaking abandon her. Wow. Oh, my God. So December 1st of that year, Rosa refused to stand. She was arrested and the Montgomery bus boycott officially began. January of 1956, one month later, Claudette is 16 years old at this point, which like. When I was 16 years old, (laughs) I was, my dad was teaching me how to drive a Mm -hmm. green Windstar minivan. Rough. And literally told me, Reagan, it's okay. Go a little bit faster. (laughs) So brave. 
<laughs> when I took the driving test, I got counted down for being too cautious because I waited too long to turn left on a green light. Oh, sweet Reagan. <laughs> Meanwhile, Claudette, at 16 years old in 1956, becomes one of the star testimonials of the Browder versus Gale case. Oh, my God. Wow. This so, a cooler person than I'll ever be by this time. Ever in my life. Ever. <laughs> wow. Meanwhile, keep in mind, she's pregnant. Oh, right. Uh-huh. So, the plaintiffs are Aurelia S. Browder, Susie McDonald, Mary Louise Smith, who they didn't want to be the face of the movement because her dad mm-hmm. was, quote-unquote, an alcoholic, and Claudette. There was another woman named Janata Reese that was initially a plaintiff, but withdrew due to outside pressure. I don't know. And then the Gale in this situation, Gale was apparently the mayor of Montgomery, Alabama. Fred Gray was Claudette Colvin's attorney. And he and his um, co-worker, Charles D. Langford, filed the case. Upon the basis that Montgomery's segregated bus system was unconstitutional. And it was ruled unconstitutional and then sent to the district court on February 1st, 1956. March 1956, Claudette gives birth to her first son, Raymond. So she's eight months pregnant. Wow. Testifying in court as a 16-year-old. I... I will not get over it. Mm. And Raymond is super light-skinned, so people start accusing her of having a white baby, which makes zero sense to me because... What does that even mean? <laughs> like, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Are you even talking about? She was raped by a white man, so people accuse her of having a white baby. It just... <sighs> wow. Yes. So June 13th, same year, 1956, it was determined unconstitutional by the district court and sent to the Supreme Court on appeal by the state. So November 13th of that year, 1956, the United States Supreme Court affirmed the district court's ruling, basically told Alabama to stop being racist dickheads, mm-hmm. and then Good. declined to reconsider because Alabama wanted them to reconsider. December 20th, 1956, Alabama was forced to desegregate the bus system in Montgomery, hopefully everywhere else, and the bus boycott officially ended. But, mm-hmm. sweet Claudette, because oh, of her reputation, had to drop out of college and could oh, no. not get a job because her reputation was shattered oh. from all of this. Yeah. So, Two years later, in 1958, from sitting on a bus bus and fighting for everybody else's rights whilst pregnant. From sitting on a bus. It's, oh, uh, it stresses me out. Yeah. So in 1958, two years later, she moves to New York to live with her sister, Gloria Laster. She had her second son, Randy, and worked as a nurse's aide in a Manhattan nursing home. From there on out, she went back and forth from New York to Alabama until Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, and she said she would never go back to Alabama. She didn't talk about this entire thing until her retirement in 2004. Oh, my God. Wow. Her sister, Gloria. What a big, terrible, horrible thing. Seriously. Seriously. Oh, my God. A supreme court case I her sister Gloria said you have to realize that our family never talked about what happened to Claudette part of it was fear part of it was Rosa our mother always felt that as long as Rosa Parks was breathing she's the mother of the civil rights movement and we shouldn't do anything to take away from that wow but then Claudette's um attorney Fred Gray said Claudette gave all of us the moral courage. If she had not done what she did, I'm not sure that we would have had, we would have been able to mount the support for Miss Parks. Mm. Mm. So a lot of, I know a lot of people call her the spark of the civil rights movement. Mm. And a lot of people don't know who she is. She herself, which a ton of people have interviewed her since then. and been like, are you so mad? 
you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she always says, Rosa was the right person for the boycott, but also let them know that the attorneys took four other women to the Supreme Court to challenge the law that led to the end of segregation. Mm-hmm. And no huh. one knows about those four women. And it yeah. well. irritates me. Um, so in 1990, then New York Governor Mario Cuomo awarded her with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Medal of Honor. She's happily living in the Bronx. Unfortunately, her son Raymond, her firstborn, Mm -hmm. became addicted to drugs and alcohol and died of a heart attack when he was 37 in Claudette's apartment. Her son Randy is alive and well, and I'm pretty sure is an accountant. Wow. Um, Yeah, Claudette lives in the Bronx. She has a diner that she does all of her interviews at because she loves it. Um, Stop that. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Wait for it. Oh, no. She's quoted saying that she loves Alicia Keys and oh, don't no. get her started on Sarah Palin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've never been more in love with anyone in my life. I'm. Oh. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. I know. Um, multiple times people have been like, hey, are you bitter? Hey, whatever. And there was one time that Rosa Parks kind of mentioned her or um not mentioned her contacted her and was like hey I'm gonna speak in New York and I'd love for you to be there and it was very last minute and Claudette kind of felt um shafted by the whole thing like Mm -hmm. it was very last minute and so she told her she had to work and just didn't do it but she talks about racial change in America and obviously we have not gotten nearly as far as we should need to be. Yeah. Like it's, it's really upsetting how, how much farther we have to go. Yeah. But she talks about the change that she wanted to see. And she literally said, I live to see that change. And it makes my heart weep. Wow. Because she literally gave her life in silence. What an incredible lady. Right? I just... Man, I'm so excited for people to hear about these ladies. Me too. Wow. I do have to say, I have 700 websites that I need to um, (laughs) talk about. First of all, um, a man named Philip Hoos wrote a book called Claudette Colvin, Twice Toward Justice. And that was kind of the thing that sparked people, that sparked interest in Claudette. Like, people didn't really know her before that book. And he even, like, tried to contact her multiple times, and she didn't want it and didn't want it. And then she met him at that diner, and she was like, all right, fine. Wow. We owe her so much. And she should absolutely be a household name. But I got information from the BBC from NPR, there's an article called Before Rosa Parks, there was Claudette Colvin. Um, there's a website called AmericansWhoTellTheTruth.com, Biography.com, obviously Wikipedia, the Atlanta Journal Online, something called AllThat'sInteresting.com. The Guardian has a dope, dope article on it, Women'sHistory.org. There's a, a website called CORE Online, which stands for Congress of Racial Equality, that I highly recommend everyone just go binge all of their articles. Wow, yeah. Um, there was an article for the Washington Post by a woman named Janelle Ross that was great. Um, and then there are two podcasts. The most important one that I have to plug is called Radio Diaries. The Radio Diaries Claudette Colvin episode they interview Claudette. So you get to hear her words. Though she's like her words were saying they didn't want to use me because I was too militant. Like you get to hear her talk about her story and it is crazy. It's wow. so cool. And it's like maybe 15 minutes long. Like it's so short and I wish it was 17 hours longer. So then there's a podcast called girls, 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 <laughs> That is hosted by a wonderful Brit named B. Duncan that's basically doing what we're doing. 
but she's by herself. And so she's bringing attention to badass women that should be household names that are not. And then there's another podcast called What's Her Name? And it's hosted by two women, Olivia Michael, Meikle, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, and Katie Nelson. And they're best friends that they both dive into. It's uh, along the same thing. It's kind of like the medium between B. Duncan's Girls, Girls, Girls podcast and ours. Like they dive into one person. Okay. Um, so if you guys would like to hear stories like ours, but super well produced, um, <laughs> those are the two podcasts for it that I would recommend because they're delightful and you know have production teams so yeah wow good work because god i forgot to say um there's also a drunk history on claudette colvin she is included in the montgomery alabama episode that features uh jordan peele Mm, excellent another truly most of, you know, like my favorite murder, Karen gets all of hers from I Survived. Yeah, I get all of mine from Drunk History. I mean, it's a great show. It's so good. It's hilarious and informative. <laughs> and it just like it piques my interest of like, oh, I want to look into that, and then I just like get to dive deep. Yeah. Oh my! Throwing down. <sighs> what a week. What a week. We figured out our recording issues. We did. Great. Did news. we? I mean, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We'll find out if there's an episode on Monday, so. (laughs) (laughs) We sure will. Wow. We sure will. Good work. Um, Question for you. I might have an answer for you. um, Are there any ladies that you would like to shout out? Like, just ladies current, present day that are inspiring to me? Yeah. I mean, they can be, like... To the the level of people that we're covering, they could be your mom. They could be. I have a question. This. Who's your lady of the week that really inspires you? You know what I mean. I do really know what you mean. My lady of the week. Well, and I don't want to. Well, I'll go ahead and say, but I do think it. that I want to do an episode on her, which is why I'm being a little cagey about it. Um. I think my lady of the week is Michelle McNamara, writer of. <gasps> yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been really kind of impressive and thinking about how incredible it is to me that she kind of got obsessed with this case and like changed history. So many years working, in no small part, I think helped catch the guy. In and no small part incredible to me it's incredible so um yeah. i don't want to go super into detail in case people don't know who no no no, no, no. Is, but, no no save it um but yeah i mean i've just kind of been thinking about how cool that lady is if i think about it the woman that's inspired me the most um this past week has been god bless her stacy abrams if anybody has a perfect blend of grace and tenacity in the face of remarkable persecution and an uphill battle. It's Stacey Abrams. Yep. And I love her. I respect her. I believe in everything that she's doing to protect voters rights throughout the U S not just in her home state. But I think that she has a, a manner of speaking that doesn't stoop to the level of people like Trump. She has a manner of speaking that she holds herself to the high road at all times. And it makes me root for her in a humongous way. Cool. Yeah. Good idea. I like doing that. Yeah. Let's have a, let's have a lady of the week. Okay. I love that. I love you. Um, Do you want to plug where you can find our podcasts? I would love to. We are Babetown Pod on Instagram and Twitter, also on Anchor Podcasts. And as they get approved from there, we will be everywhere else that you get your podcasts. Yeah. So at least as of what day is today? The 
23rd, Friday, the 23rd. You bet. You can find it on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So good news. If that's the podcast app that you use, then you are in luck. If that's your medium, you (laughs) use that podcast Ouija board and you listen to us if you want to. Great. I've had a great time with this. I always have a great time with this. Um, I feel like there's going to be some hefty edits in this one. (laughs) Why would you say that? I don't understand. (laughs) But I love it so much. (laughs) I love it so Um, much. I also love it so much. I also love you so much. And I love that we get to do this. (sighs) Yeah, like I can do a book report. With a pal. Essentially. That makes me so excited. That should be the name of our podcast, Book Report with a Pal. The podcast formerly known as Babetown <laughs> Facts Don't Matter, Book Facts Report don't with matter. a Pal. I love it. This is going to be All the longest it. podcast name in the world. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I super enjoyed learning about these cool ladies. <sighs> me too. I hope that your brain feels better. I hope that the smoke oh. in Alaska gets better. I hope that the fires in the Amazon are, I oh. mean, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. No, this has been a much needed break from this week. My brain it's been feels a week, like man. on fire right now. Every, everything is on fire. Everything is on fire, including my brain. So do you want to do same time next or you're moving? Do you want to do Tuesday? Uh, I think Wednesday should work from here on out. That's kind of like my day that I've set aside for Babe Town. And I love you. I love you. Okay, I love you. Okay, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Okay. Have a good week, babe. Bye.